Are y'all ready for God's word today? So as uh, Pastor Raquel comes up, if some of y'all know her, some of y'all may not know her. This is Pastor Raquel. I've known her for uh, now 11 years. Um, it's, uh, it was just yesterday, though, so, you know. But uh, she's got a great message for y'all today um, that God has put on her heart. So I take something to, you know, take some notes, get something, you, you know, there's pens right there. If you need notebook paper, come see me, okay? You're, she's got a lot of verses. You're going to want to write them all down, okay? So, Pastor Raquel. Can we give it up for the worship team today? Y'all did amazing. They don't need me. They sounded great. That was awesome. But y'all, I am so excited to be in God's house today and have the honor to just deliver today's word. Is there anyone else that's excited to be here? Okay, y'all are awake. I like it. I like it. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Third service is coming for you. Third service is growing and they are loud. They are loud. Like they come in late. That's the only thing. You guys come in earlier than them. I don't understand why they come in late because it's 1130. You would think that they would be up by now. But I just wanted to give you that heads up that they're coming for you guys. So make sure you keep inviting your friends. But it's exciting what God is doing at our church, right? He is moving in mighty ways. And I want to give a shout out to our online campus. Thank you so much for watching. Can you show them some love? I also want to give a shout out and a big thanks to our pastors, pastors Chris and Melissa. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to be able to speak to your congregation. I know it is an honor that I do not take lightly. And because of that, I was really praying about what we were going to talk about this morning. And I really felt like God gave me a theme and a word that he wants us to claim for our lives in this season. And the word is peace. Peace. I believe that the Lord wants to cover you this morning with his peace and with his joy. So I just want to challenge you to just really tune in to today's message. Even if you think, man, my life's pretty good, or I don't know if this word is for me. Can I tell you it's for all of us? It's for all of us. I really believe that God is going to speak to you today like never before. But before we get into today's message, I have a question for you guys. By show of hands, um, how many of you guys have a gym membership? Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay. Okay. All right. Keep your hand up, Mr. Dale. Okay. Keep it up if you actually use your gym membership. <laughs> all right. I saw some hands go down. You're like, you can't lie in church, guys. I'm just saying. Okay. You can put your hands down. But um, Christian and I, we actually got our first gym membership a couple of months ago. Exciting stuff, right? We're going to Planet Fitness. Um, anybody go there? I'll be looking to work out with y'all, get some get some tips and tricks. But y'all, we started a couple of months ago. And, you know, I just am kind of afraid because I've never really worked out before. I'm the type of person that's like, oh, I'm active. But I don't like to willingly put myself in a position where I'm going to sweat and be embarrassed in front of people, you know. And so I go out there. I've been doing my cardio. And then my little brother, Honey, calls me out. And he's like, man, you're wimpy with that cardio. You got to start lifting the weights. That's where the real gains are. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? And he started going through all these exercises. He's like, okay, first you do curls. And then you do semi-curls, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then you do this. And I was like, he lost me. I forgot everything he said. The only thing I remembered was curls. So I get in there, and I'm like, hey, babe, you want to work out with me? Let's, let's do the weights. And he's like, 
okay, fine. So we go over there. We're, we're, you know, we're by half the guys that have no clue what they're doing because we're at Planet Fitness. And then the other half, they're completely bulked and they're shredded. And I'm like, okay, how much weight do I lift? Okay, I'm doing curls. 20 pounds doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> that just shows how little I know. So I go and I pick up the weight and I'm really confident and I'm going and I'm doing my first rep and I'm like, Oh, immediately no. Immediately no. <laughs> I put it down and then I'm like, okay, let's try 15 pounds. Nope. Mm, let's try 10 pounds. Nope. And then finally I settled on about eight pounds, guys. And I was working it. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. And I look over at my husband and, you know, we're still kind of newlyweds. We've only been married for like a year and a half. And so he is definitely trying to show off. I don't know how much weight it was, but it was like a huge weight. It was like one of those massive ones. And he's he's got it and he's all confident and he's looking at me to make sure I'm looking at him. And he's like, okay, let's go. And then immediately I see the pain and fear in his eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, are you sure that's not too much? No, I got this. And he he's a trooper. He finished the sets. He finished the reps. There was no way he was going to admit to me that he got too much weight. But you know, the same thing happens. It's funny when we're coming home from the grocery store and we're trying to unload our groceries and, you know, we have the trunk full because we only go once every couple of weeks. And he insists on only making one trip from the truck to the house. Does anybody else do that or have a partner that does? Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has a crazy person that I live with. So anyways, you know, it doesn't matter how heavy the groceries are. It doesn't matter how many bags he has. It doesn't matter how ridiculous we look to our neighbors. (laughs) He says, real men only take one trip. And so he's out there and he's got all the bags and he's, he's lugging it in. I'm like, babe, do you need any help? He's like, somehow it has a big case of water. And I'm like, what is going on? And you know, there's been some casualties because we've had some bruised peaches. We've had some cracked eggs. He dropped my $8 box of raspberries. I still haven't forgiven him with that. But guys, it doesn't matter. He still keeps persevering and only taking one trip. And you know, this got me thinking, what are we carrying? What do we put on ourselves that we probably shouldn't? What are we trying to lug around in life and act like we're cool and act like we've got it all figured out and we've got it together? You see, when you come home, guys, at the end of the day, when you take off your backpack or your purse or put down your keys, what do you feel when you enter your home? Because as a Christian, our home should be a home of peace. Our home should be a refuge place where we're able to refresh and renew and revive ourselves for the rest of the week. But when you go home, if you're honest, do you feel burdened? Do you feel heavy? Do you feel worried? Do you feel anxious or fearful? Or overwhelmed? Or do you simply feel unhappy with your life? You see, I believe the enemy is trying his very best to steal the joy and the peace of Christians. Because he knows if he can steal the joy and the peace in your home, then he can affect your marriage, he can affect your children, your family, and ultimately your future. You see, if you don't believe me, Ever since 1972, there's been a poll done in our nation where researchers go around and they ask Americans, how happy would you consider yourself? 
How happy are you with your life? And in the past two years, only 17% of Americans reported that they are very happy with their lives. That is the lowest number ever that's been polled since 1972. And you would think, guys, with our modern advancements and with how progressive we are as a society, that we would be happier, right? Because life is apparently getting easier and it's apparently getting better. But yet somehow only 17% of people say that they're very happy. And that's because in John 10.10, God tells us very clearly what the enemy's game plan is. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, God says, that you might have life to the fullest. It's no wonder that Americans are struggling with fears and anxieties and worries and depression and loneliness. It's the enemy's game plan all along. He's coming in trying to wreak havoc on your life and your home and your marriage by trying to steal your peace and your joy. And so today, you may know these verses. This may be a message that you've heard before, but I'm hoping to wake you up once and for all and get you serious about fighting for the peace in your home, fighting for the peace in your family. And I know some spouses are nudging their their, their wife or their husband is saying, I've been fighting with you all week for that piece. No, guys, I'm not talking about fighting with each other. I'm not talking about bickering with your children. What I'm talking about is realizing that we are in a spiritual warfare. This is a spiritual battle that we are experiencing and we're not going to be able to handle it on our own. So we need to step back and let God fight the battles for us. Amen. Would you pray today with me over this message? God, Lord, I need you. I just pray right now, God, that you would speak in me and through me. I pray that this would not be my wisdom, God. I pray that a supernatural anointing would come down and fall on this congregation where we receive this word of peace like never before, where we claim it for our family, God, where we believe, Jesus, that if you are for us, no one can be against us and that all good things come from your hand, God. In every promise, Lord, we have the opportunity to inherit as children of God. So I claim today that that this service is dedicated to you and it's consecrated in your name. And in Jesus' mighty name, we pray together. Amen. Amen. So number one, guys, we're not meant to carry this. We're not meant to carry this. I think the number one thing as Christians and as human beings that we were never meant to carry is anxiety and negative emotions any stress, any fear, any worry, any concerns. And I think we've become conditioned in our society and in our culture to think that these things are normal because we see it constantly. We're expected almost to be stressed out all the time. We're expected to be worried or anxious about our next move as a family or our next step. We see it presented all the time in music and on television and in the news that just as a general rule, we're supposed to be stressed out and worried. And we accept it as normal. But I want to tell you guys here today, if you are a Christian, you have a savior and you were never meant to be a statistic. Just because anxiety is on the rise like never before, 
just because America is experiencing all these feelings of unhappiness, you are meant to have a different diagnosis. Because guess what? When your Savior died on the cross for you, And he said, it is finished. When he breathed his last breath in that moment, every sin, every struggle, every concern, every worry, every anxiety, every depression, every bit of loneliness died on that cross with him. You see, God waged war when he died on the cross for your peace. God waged war and he said, not today, Satan. You cannot have my children. You cannot allow them to be condemned with anxiousness and with depression and with fear anymore. Because when I died and I said it was finished, I meant it. You see, your anxiety, church, is not bigger than God. Your worries and your concerns and your struggles in life aren't stronger than Jesus. You see, there isn't anything that is too small that he doesn't care about or anything that is too big that he can't handle. And I want to encourage someone this morning with that. You see, anxiety can sometimes be a symptom of insecurity. Hear me out. You see, insecurity comes from not being close to God. And we as humans desperately need security in our lives to feel safe, to feel protected, and to thrive and live life to the fullest. If you don't believe me, a study was done with two groups of elementary school students. The first group of students were playing on their playground and they had no fence around them. The second group of students were playing on their playground and they did have a fence around them. And you would think, right, that the students would be more happy and eager to play if there was nothing surrounding them, if they were free to do what they wanted. But actually the opposite was true. You see, the students that didn't have a fence around them were fearful, They were anxious. They didn't really want to run. They didn't want to explore. They didn't want to move around because there was no protection. There was no covering. But the second group of students that had a fence around them were running around like crazy. They were meeting new friends. They were exploring. They were being creative. They were laughing. Why? Because there was a boundary. There was protection. There was a covering surrounding them. And I think we're a lot like those students, guys, in the sense that When we're living without Jesus, when we're living without his word, it's really hard to be confident. It's really hard to feel secure. It's really hard to have faith that everything's going to be okay because we're living outside of his will. But when God's word is our boundary, when God's word is our protection, when his presence covers us, we are able to live life to the fullest because we know the thief is not going to be able to come in and still kill and destroy because God is watching over us in our family. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, the Lord himself goes before you, will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. So do not be afraid, church, and do not be discouraged. Psalms 139, David says, you go before me, God, and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And if some of us have felt insecure or worried, 
if some of us have been questioning our life or feeling unsure about the next step, can I encourage you right now in this moment here today, don't wait any longer. Call upon the name of Jesus. Call upon God's presence and say, Lord, I want it to be more than a Cody Carnes and Carrie Job song that we sing, God. I want you to go before me. I want you to go behind me. I want you to go beside me. I want you to be all around me, God. I want you to be within me. Because if God before you, church, nothing and no one can stand against you. That's a promise. That's a promise you can take to the bank. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, 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 Raquel, that's cute. You're young. You don't know how life works. Like, I hear these things and I believe these words in a moment. But when I go home, life just gets chaotic. It gets busy. I get overwhelmed. I got to pick up the kids from school and we have to cook dinner and then we have to help them with the homework. And then me and my husband or me and my wife, we got to try to spend time together. and We got to talk because they want to talk about their feelings, but I'm exhausted and I don't want to talk about my feelings. And then I wake up and then I do it all over again. I know life is difficult and I know life is challenging. But in those moments when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel tired, when you feel worried, when you feel concerned, what are you turning to? Better yet, who are you turning to, guys? You see, in those moments when, when we feel overwhelmed, most of the time, our first reaction is to call or to text a friend, to get their advice, to get their help, to reach out to a coworker or a colleague, to call our brother or our sister. And a lot of times, we don't even want to listen to reason. We don't care to have their help. We just want a sympathetic ear. We just want someone to validate our feelings, to stroke our ego, to participate in our pity party. You know, when I ask my students, what are you turning to when you feel alone? Who do you go to for help? You know, a lot of times they tell me this. And I know you may be like laughing and be like, oh my gosh, how times have changed. At least I go to an actual human being. They're just going to a phone. And you know, it's funny because I guarantee all of us go to this too. Because I know when you're in Austin and you're lost and you don't know how to get home or your doctor changed his office and you're like, where is it located at again? What do you do? Hey, Siri, find me directions for, hey, Alexa, please get me home. Hey, Google, how do I get here? And, you know, it's really funny to me because we trust a satellite more than we do our Savior. (laughs) You see, we're like, hey, Google, hey, iPhone, get me to point A to point B. And we follow it without question. She tells you, turn left in half a mile, you turn left. She tells you, stay on the right lane, and you stay on the right lane. She tells you to make a U-turn, and you make a U-turn, even if you were already going this direction. But when God tells you, hey, Christian, I need you to go from point A to point B. I need you to trust this plan and this purpose for your life. I need you to cut out these people. I need you to do this instead of that. We're like, whoa, 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 hold up. Are you sure? Are you sure, God? Are you talking to me? No, you must be talking to my spouse, not me. But guys, if we can trust this without question, If we can listen to our friend's advice and take it, how much more should we trust our Savior, Jesus Christ? Because Isaiah says that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
that he thinks above us and he knows everything. So if he, already know, if he already knows your future, if he already sees everything from up there and he's able to calculate everything, shouldn't we trust him? You see, maybe the reason why we're experiencing anxiety that we can't get rid of is because we're carrying a weight that we were never meant to carry. You see, 1 Peter 5, 6 says to humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up, church, in due time and cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love that God starts this verse off with humble yourself because he knows as humans, it is really difficult for us to give up control. He knows it's really hard of us for us to just step back and to let him have his way in our life. You see, we as humans have a difficult time letting go and trusting God, but that just shows that we're struggling with pride. It shows that we are too prideful to let God step in and help us. And since he's not helping us, and since we're trying to handle all of the weight of the problems on our own, we're struggling with anxiety. You see, anxiety is insecurity because it focuses on our limitations. You're anxious because I don't know if I can do something. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if I'm capable. I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 I. You see, anxiety has you focused on the I instead of the great I am, church. You see, there's always going to be a not enough in your life. We're human. Of course, we're not enough. But thank God that he is enough. Thank God that our provision and our blessings aren't dependent on us. They're dependent on God. And he will never fail you, his word says. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You see, it's time that we humble ourselves. That we put our lives in the hands of God. And I know what you're thinking, but my life was going good, but gosh, something just happened, Pastor Raquel. I don't, I don't even, can't even explain it. I just feel like everything is turned down for my good. It's like all the odds are stacked against me. We're struggling. Nothing is going the way that it should. Can I tell you if your life isn't good, then it's not done yet. If your life isn't good, then God hasn't finished putting his hands on it. You see, Philippians 1, 6 says, I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it finally is finished on the day that Jesus Christ returns. I'm not here to tell you that life is going to be easy and perfect. What I am here to tell you is look up, Christian. Look up, Christian, because if God has his hand on your life, he will turn everything around and use it for your good. Everything. What the enemy has tried to attack you with, he will turn it around and use it for your good. Amen. Another thing that we were never meant to carry is the weight of trying to please people. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am so guilty of this. I am a people pleaser. I have a difficult time telling people no, because I don't want to disappoint people. And the most scary thing is when you guys corner me like in the foyer 
and you ask me to do something and everyone is staring at you asking me to do something and I know I don't have time to do it, but in that moment, I'm just like, yes, whatever you need because I don't want to hurt your feelings in front of everyone because then you'll hate me. And you know, the reason why I say yes all the time, and I know some women are like holding back for smiles because you're like, I feel seen, I feel heard right now. But you know, the reason why I say yes is because I want people to like me. I want to be accepted. I want to have friends. I want to know that I am valued. But why do you seek the approval of others? It's because honestly, we're trying to desperately make ourselves feel better. We want someone to stroke our ego and say, man, I couldn't have done it without you. Or wow, you really came through right when I needed you. We want to know that we're, we're valued and we're accepted. But Galatians 1.10 says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I love this verse because he's honest. He's like, man, I was a people pleaser too. That was my past, but that's not who God called me to be. Because I know if I was still trying to please man, I would never be able to please God. You see, I realized pretty quickly that I'm never going to be able to be everything for everyone. I'm never going to be able to satisfy everyone's needs. And that's okay because I was never meant to satisfy your needs. I was only meant to satisfy God's. And you see, this is a good check for us because anytime you have to say no to God to say yes to man, then it's time that we say no to that thing. And I think we think anything that's good, we say yes to. But is it God's will for your life? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Because a lot of us are involved in great things. You may be involved in other groups in the community. You may have your kids involved in a bunch of extracurricular activities. You may have a bunch of outings with your friends. You may have book clubs. You may have workout team. I don't know. There's good things. And I'm not saying not to do that. What I am saying is you have to be real between you and God. And if God said, hey, I really want you to start serving in 3D. I really want you to start serving on the eye care team. Oh, but I have that thing. I can't do it. God's like, well, get rid of that thing. Well, you know, I, I really felt like God was calling me to get involved in discipleship, you know, this year. And I really feel like I've been saying I'm going to do it, but I know he keeps putting on my heart. I got to do it. But, you know, my kid has an extracurricular activity and it really means a lot, you know, to them. So I just, I can't pull him out of it. God's like, but I told you to go to discipleship. Why would I contradict myself? No, I want you to pull your kid out of that extracurricular activity because they actually really need to spend time with you. And I want you guys to go to discipleship together so that you guys can both be renewed and both be fulfilled. And then that, at the end of the night, I want you guys to have your own discipleship where you talk to each other and you encourage each other and you go through what God's word says. Thank you, Brother Lass. Y'all are like, I do not like that. Stop meddling. Stop it. You're just like Pastor Chris. Well, I'm his daughter. Get over it. You see, guys... I'm not saying that these yeses aren't good. I'm not saying to say no to every yes. What I am saying is if a yes keeps you from God's will, it's time that you turn away from it. If a yes keeps you from doing what God has called you to do, it's time that you say not just no, but heck no, I'm not going to do it. 
You see, God desires to bless your life. And at the end of the day, when I meet my Savior, I want him to say, good job, my good and faithful servant. I don't care what you have to say about me at the end of the day. Because the fact of the matter is the mob is fickle. The mob is fickle. The same people that were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest are the same people that shouted, crucify him. You see, God knew that he was never meant to please both man and his father. Instead, he put the father's will first. And because of that, he walked in peace. The next thing we were never meant to carry is negative thoughts. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I know this is shocking for me to say because we're in 2022. And you're probably not going to like it, guys. But I actually am a pastor that believes every single thing that God's word says. I don't pick and choose. (laughs) I don't say, oh, that was for the Old Testament. But we're in 2022, guys. Get relevant. I'm like, no. This is God's word. It stands. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God said something... A thousand years ago, it still stands today. But I think we like to put God in a box because we're progressive and we're enlightened now as a culture. And we're like, well, you know, depression didn't exist back then. Yeah, it existed. They just didn't diagnose it. We think, well, you know, my, my kid has anxiety attacks. And, you know, that, that, that wasn't a thing back then. People were literally possessed by demons. Talk about an anxiety attack. You see, we're like, okay, God, you just don't understand what's happening right now. What we're going through, what, what I'm going through, what, what, what's over my family. But we have the audacity to stand here on this stage and to pray that cancer be removed. And guess what happens? When we pray, God answers and it's removed. We have the audacity and the courage to stand up here on this platform and pray for marriages to be restored and they're renewed and they're better than ever before. We have the courage to stand up here on this stage and say, God, Jesus, bring her son home. And like a prodigal, he returns and he's praising beside her. We have the courage and the faith to say, Lord Jesus, On my knees, I cried out to God without ceasing. And I was at the top of my lungs singing, Lord Jesus, have mercy on my friend, Mr. Mark. Lord Jesus, allow his heart to begin beating. It stopped beating God. Lord Jesus, breathe life into him. And in an instant, he was revived. He was dead and he's living. We have that kind of courage to stand up here and to pray bold prayers and to see God answer on our behalf. But yet we're too afraid to pray for our brother or sister that has depression. We think it's insensitive to pray for someone who's having panic attacks. We think it doesn't concern God that we have fears and worries. 
If we can pray and see a man healed from cancer, if we can pray and see a heart that was no longer beating, begin beating again and become stronger, if we can pray and see relationships restored in the name of Jesus, why can't we pray against anxiety? And I know I'm probably going to get canceled because people get offended and upset when you bring up their emotional state. And they're like, but, but, but you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. I don't. That's why you need God's help. I can't help you, but I know someone who can. And that's why I just want to encourage you guys. Who are you turning to? What are you turning to? Because I think, you know, we turn to God for everything. But for some reason, when it comes to our emotional state and our mind, that's the last person that we go to. We go to our friends. We try to, we try to put our kids in counseling and therapy and we try to give ourselves pills. And I'm not saying that those things don't have a place and a purpose. What I am saying is, did you, did you try Jesus? Did you try God? Because I, I love my brother, um, Mr. Jamie. He's actually a counselor. So my team at Rush is like super stacked because I got a licensed counselor. And, you know, when we have kids with challenges that I know I need help with and I know I need a second opinion and I, I need covering over, I go up to him and I'm like, hey, this is going on. What do you think we should do? Do you need to counsel him or like, do we need to, you know, offer like a number to like a Christian counselor? And he's like, well, we got to pray first. We got to bring that kid in and we got to lay hands on him. We got to talk to their family and make sure they're involved in discipleship. We got to see what they're listening to. We got to see who they're hanging out with. We got to see what kind of shows they're watching. We got to see what they're reading at night. They need to take away their phone so they can spend time with Jesus. We need to encourage them. We need to pray the blood of Jesus over them. And then after we do all of that, yeah, we we can call the counselor. Guys, what if that was our response for every problem in our life? Lord, the last resort is something of this world. You are always the first resort. Amen. You are always the first resort. So God calls us. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead bring that prayer, bring that petition to the foot of the cross. And I love this, guys, because this verse is letting us know that any concern we have, any worry that we carry, he will trade our problem for peace. He will trade your petition for peace. He will take in that moment whatever you are going through through and he will cover and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know, when Jesus entered the world, guys, one of the first things that were declared over him was he is a wonderful counselor and he is the Prince of Peace. Guys, knowing what our students go through, how much they carry and, like, I know, like, y'all are going through it, too, because y'all are all part of the same family. This is the revelation that we need to carry. This is what we need to hold to be true. When I read that verse during Christmas time, it's not just, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Tears are rolling down my eyes because the moment he entered this earth, even when he was a baby, even when he was a baby in a manger, he was a wonderful counselor and a prince of peace. His presence brought peace. And so whatever situation you're going through, can I just encourage you in this moment to call upon the Prince of Peace to guard you? 
to call upon the Prince of Peace to cover your home, to call upon the wonderful counselor to speak truth and love into your life. Philippians 4, 7 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, church, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Before we move on from this point, I want to challenge you to one more thing, church, to fix your thoughts on this verse. I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me, but when you go home at night, right before you go to bed, what are the thoughts that are racing through your mind? Are they thoughts of hope, of joy, of peace, of faith, or do you find yourself being negative? Do you find yourself beating yourself up about the things that you said or what you did or wishing you would have done something better? Do you find yourself regretting Do you find yourself being worried or anxious about what's ahead for you the next day? You see, I always challenge my students. This is how you test your thoughts. You read this verse. If your thoughts do not match up with this verse, it's time that you ask God to renew your heart, your mind, and your thoughts. If you can look to this verse and live by it, guys, I promise peace will cover your life. And number two. What are we claiming? These next two points are going to go really quickly, but they're going to be powerful. So I want us to listen in. What are we claiming? I think just like we're so concerned about pleasing other people, we're also too concerned about what others have to say about us. We care too much about how others perceive our family and how we look to the rest of the world. And I want to encourage you this morning to stop giving other people the power to speak over you. You see, we should value God's word over the opinions of other people. I want to encourage you to speak life over your children, over your spouse, over your home. Pastor Chris did a phenomenal job on this, on a speak life message. I challenge you, go back and listen to it again. But I want to remind us in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I want us to not only take inventory of our thoughts because God has called us to, but take inventory of our words and do not be careless with what we speak over ourselves and our family. And if I can just speak to the parents and to the grandparents for a minute, if that's okay, or aunts and uncles, anyone who has influence over a child, and just kind of let you know what's happening. I'm a youth pastor. I have the privilege of pastoring our students, and it's the best job in the world. And I always try to give them at least a couple of opportunities throughout the year to submit anonymously what's on their heart, what they're going through, what they wish their parents knew, what they would like to know, what is a burden that they have so that we can address it and we can speak to it. And, you know, it's amazing to me because I know some of you might assume, oh, they're worried about their schoolwork or they're worried about their friendships or they're worried about what college they're going to go to or if they're going to make the varsity team. But can I tell you, the thing that they are primarily concerned with is if their parents are proud of them, if their parents love them, if their parents care for them, if their parents find them important and valuable in the home. 
And so your words, parents, that you speak over your children are the most valuable and important thing that they will ever hear. And so I just want to tell you right now, pray over them. Read God's word together and claim it over their lives. When they're asleep at night, put your hand upon their head, just like God puts his hand upon your head and pray God's promises over them. You know, those are some of the memories that I will forever remember is waking up even at 20 years old before I was married and my dad praying over me. And he's just praying a big whopper of a prayer, calling the things that aren't as though they are. (laughs) And he's just speaking loving words over me. And my mom does the same. And, you know, they they sing over me and they pray over me. And you would think a 20-year-old would be like, what the heck are y'all doing? Get off of me. This is weird. Stop being weird. But instead, guys, I leaned into that. I was like, heck yeah, keep praying. I like what you're saying. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel encouraged. That makes me feel special. That makes me feel important. And I wouldn't open my eyes. I would act like I'm still asleep. So they would, they would keep going, right? They would keep saying all the awesome stuff. I'm like, yeah, just say you're my, say I'm the favorite. That's the only thing you have to say next. Just say I'm the best kid you have. They didn't say that, but they said everything else. So, but guys, take a moment to just speak greatness in life over your children because the world isn't so kind. The world is quick to lie to them and tell them they aren't enough and they're not good enough and they're not capable. I had so many bullies growing up, so many. From elementary school, I had kids telling me, you have a big head, you're fat, but mainly you just have a huge, ginormous head, big head. And I was like, well, you know what? You know what? And I would get like all attitude I'm like, I would move my head more, which made it like easier to make fun of me in retrospect. I'm thinking about like I'm moving my head and they're making fun of it. But I was like, you know what? My daddy told me I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And guess what? My mama said there is no flaw in me. And my heavenly father said it too. So you can just shut your mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy comes up and is like, once I got cute and puberty hit, it's like, oh, girl, you're pretty. I'm like, I already know. God told me. You got to do more than that. Okay, okay. But, guys, if you boldly and consistently speak the word of God over your children, they will claim it over the lies of this world. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Some of us here today need to do some spiritual jujitsu on their mind. Some of us today need to wake up and realize that there is a war waged against your family and home for the peace. And I believe that there are some generational curses that have been spoken over your family, maybe a history or a past of divorce, addiction, depression, loneliness, bitterness, offense, whatever it is. There's been lies spoken of your children that they're dumb or they're not capable, they're not good. There've been lies spoken over your marriage that you guys are never gonna make it, that you aren't good for each other. And then in the name of Jesus, you need to take those thoughts and those lies captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ by proclaiming God's word over it. 
In the name of Jesus, God, if you be for me, no one and nothing can stand against. In the name of Jesus, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. In the name of Jesus, you work all things for my good. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're like, she's getting crazy. Yes, it's time that we all step up and get serious about fighting for the peace that is your inheritance and birthright in Jesus Christ. The enemy has no foothold, has no place in your home. And then lastly, on this point, I just want to encourage you guys to let God fight your battles for you. You wage war in the spirit by calling on the name of Jesus and he takes care of the rest. And this may only be for one person, but I feel led to say it in this service. (sighs) Some of you are feeling overwhelmed because you constantly have to listen to the opinions of other people. And I know I felt this way before because I come from a sixth generation Bastropian family. And this town is small. And everybody wants to say something about everybody. And I'm also a PK. So it's like a double whopper. We live in a small town. We've been here forever as a family. So everyone has an opinion about my family. They don't like that my dad's from Houston. So that's not a good thing. But, you know, everyone has an opinion about them. And then I'm a PK. So people think that they have the right to tell my mom and dad how to parent me. They think that they have a say even in how I should be disciplined. When I was young, I would be literally talked down to or corrected, disciplined with no love. I'm all for discipline, like spiritual authority, give it to me. God's word, show me where I'm wrong. But just think less of me because they think that since I'm on this platform that they have the right to tell me how I should live my life. And guys, you know, sometimes I would get upset. (laughs) I'd be like, who are you to tell me what to do or how I should live my life? Sometimes I would get angry because there'd be hateful and hurtful comments online talking about my family, ridiculing their character, being mean and hurtful and hateful, the same people that I love, the same people that I try desperately to please, the same people that I was like, you're my friend, don't hurt me, and then you hurt me. And and maybe you've been there too, where you know you poured out your heart to people, or you've tried your very best to be your very best, but can I encourage you, just let God step in and fight your battles for you. You don't have to defend your reputation. You don't have to defend your past. You don't have to defend where you and your family are going because chances are it's not going to make sense to the rest of the world. God says, if they hate you, good. They first hated me. And so I just want to encourage someone this morning with that. I know that people probably had their two cents to say about you and your marriage and your children. But can I encourage you, if you're trusting in God, If you're trusting in Jesus Christ and walking in his plan and his promise for your family, don't worry about what anyone else has to say. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn God. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I want this verse like above my mantle. Like I want this verse right when I leave the door because oftentimes people are going to try to hold us to a higher standard than they hold themselves. And they're going to be quick to point out the speck in your eye when they have a log in their own eye. But can we just step back and say, God, mm, Lord, I just pray, God, that you take care of them. Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to address it. I don't want to handle it. I don't want to try to come against it, Lord, because I know that your word says no weapon formed against me shall prosper and you will be responsible for condemning them, God. You will be responsible for taking care of them. This is your heritage as a child of God. And number three, last point, seek first the kingdom. So we've talked about not carrying weights that we were never meant to carry. We've talked about fixing our thoughts on him and making sure that our words are speaking life instead of death. We've talked about letting God fight our battles for us. But if you guys really want to know the secret to peace, if you really want to know how you can have a household of peace, God, you have to focus more on eternity than you do this world. You have to be so focused on God's plan and purpose for your life that you don't care about what's happening here in the physical. You see, when you have a godly motivation for your life, when you care more about eternity than you care about these 50 years here on this earth, then nothing will be able to shake or intimidate you. When you have the right order and you put God first and you say, Lord, you prioritize my life, God. Lord, you tell me what's the next step for my family. Then you're not gonna be fearful about whatever circumstance comes your way. You see, when you have a godly purpose for your life, you're in that security boundary line. You're protected. You're covered by God's grace and mercy. So nothing can come against you. Matthew six thirty three says, but seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness and all things will be added to you. If you can have one life verse by which you live your life, I encourage you guys, this is a great one, to seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, all these things will be added to you. He knows that we're worried about providing for our family. God knows that we have challenges and struggles and we're worried about our future. But he says, guys, if you simply just seek the kingdom, seek righteousness, seek eternity, I will take care of you and I will provide for you. Verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When I was younger, I used to think, why did God put these two thoughts together. This doesn't make sense. He says, seek the kingdom in righteousness. And then all of a sudden he's like, yo, 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 don't be anxious. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. We're seeking righteousness. And then he's like, okay, by the way, don't be anxious. And I know the reason why he put these verses together now. It's because he knows if your kingdom focus, you're not going to have worldly worries. He knows if you have an eternal mindset, you're not going to have an anxious heart because where the spirit of the Lord is, fear has to flee. P Philippians 1:21 says this for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I love when movies try to be epic and they say, 
we have nothing to fear but death itself. And they think that that's like some amazing, some incredible statement in line. But as a Christian, you have a better line. For to live is Christ, to die is gain. I don't even fear death. I don't fear sickness. I don't feel fear oppression. I don't fear anxiety. I don't fear anything. Because guess what? When I'm living, I'm living with Christ by my side and I'm living for his good pleasure. But when I die, I get to meet my creator and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and I get to be reunited with my daddy. And that's even better than living because when I die, I get to see my savior. You see, as a Christian, nothing should scare you. Nothing should bring fear or anxiety upon you. Because you know you are living currently with Christ. And when you die, you die for him and you get to be reunited with him. You see, God never promised that we would never endure suffering, guys. I want to say that one more time. Because I'm not one of these pastors that's going to come up and be like, okay, guys, you're never going to have anxiety anymore. Everything's going to be great. It's all rainbows and sunshine. No, we are going to endure suffering. Bad things are going to happen. What I am going to encourage you today and say is every single day, die to yourself and pick up your cross. Every single day, die to yourself and pick up your cross. Every single day, put your prayers and your petitions down and pick up God's peace. Every single day, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Every single day, ask for the Lord to strengthen you and uplift you and encourage you and help you. Because he promised us that. That's our inheritance in Christ. He promised that he would guard your heart and your mind with peace and the most beautiful exchange that he promised you guys is he promised us that he would exchange any spirit of fear for a sound mind his word says it in second timothy for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind you don't have to struggle with depression anymore Your kids don't have to have anxiety attacks. You don't have to be stressed out about what tomorrow brings. Because if you give your worries and your concerns to Jesus, he will replace it with a spirit of love and a power and give you a sound mind for your thoughts. You see, you have an inheritance of peace that is able to wash over you guys when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. And this morning, as the music plays, I just want to speak to you guys, just plain and simply. I know that this is a hard message to receive because nobody wants to admit what's going on in their mind. Nobody wants to be honest about what is happening in their home. But I know you're under attack because God's word says, plain and simple, that there is a thief that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your family. And I'm not trying to scare you. I just want you to know you can stop doing it alone. The peace of God that transcends all understanding wants to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus this morning. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want you to speak to God in this moment. I want you to talk to him. If anything in this message resonated with you, whether it be carrying something that you were never meant to carry, like 
trying to please people or trying to fight your own battles or struggling with negative thoughts or speaking negative words over your spouse or your children, even if it was in your own head. If you've been more focused on the here and now than eternity, if you've been more focused on these worldly worries and what you can see in the physical than having a kingdom mindset, if any of this resonates with you, I just want to challenge you to respond in the name of Jesus. Respond in the name of Jesus and know God wants to fight for you. It's going to be an ongoing battle because the enemy is not going to give you up easily. But I promise you, God will wage war and win for your peace. He will win your peace for you. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I feel like I'm talking to two groups of people this morning. The first group of people are people that have been struggling with these things for a very, very long time. You feel like the problem is too serious and too big for God to handle and to take over. Maybe it's something that's clinical or something that you've been diagnosed with or or something that has been spoken over you for so long and it's your identity. Something that you just hold on to and you keep it as a secret and just something that you've never been able to let go of. And you want to believe God wants to heal you, but you've prayed before and it hasn't happened. If that's you, I just want to speak to you and encourage you and say, God said, be anxious for nothing. God says that he wants to take that spirit of fear from you this morning and give you a sound mind. You don't have to live in this fear or this depression or this anxiety anymore. The second group of people I believe I'm speaking to are those that just have little worries, little concerns, little stresses that just plague you throughout the day. Sometimes it comes in waves, sometimes it comes all at once, sometimes it's just sprinkled. But if that's you this morning and you just become numb to it, you just become numb to the stress, you become numb to the worries, you become numb to the concerns where you think it's just normal and this is just something you have to deal with, something that you have to carry and God is saying, no, nothing is too small for me to take. You don't even realize how heavy these stresses are anymore because you've been holding on to it for far too long. If that's you, I just wanted to clear over you to have boldness to have boldness to humble yourself to stop being prideful and trying to carry it on your own and to give it to God give your children to God give your spouse to God give your life to God give your purpose and your future to Jesus if you are one of the two individuals I talked about just between you and God with no eyes looking around would you just raise your hand right where you sit if that's you If it just feels overwhelming and all-consuming or if it feels like something that you're just numb to, something that you've just become accustomed to, just raise your hand and keep it raised. I'm going to give you three more seconds for those that haven't raised their hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's hands going up all over just between you and God. Just raise your hand. And I'm just going to pray that God's presence would fall on this place. I'm going to pray that God's presence of peace would cover your heart and your home. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I feel something breaking in the spirit, God. 
Lord, in the name of Jesus, if someone hasn't raised their hand yet and they want to claim this, I just pray in the name of Jesus, give them courage to lift their hands. If it's a couple, lift their hands together. If they're by themselves, just lift their hand. Humble ourselves, God. We humble ourselves before you, God. We call upon the name of Jesus to bring peace like never before, God. We desire to trade our spirit of fear so that you can give us a sound mind, God. We desire to lay our problems, to lay our petitions at the foot of the cross, God, so that you can give us peace, God. I claim in the name of Jesus, your name and your truth, every every Christian in this room, God. I rebuke the lies of the enemy, Lord, that tell them that they are not enough and they are not capable because we serve the great I am who is more than enough and makes a way where there seems to be no way. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I declare no weapon formed against them shall prosper. In the name of Jesus, I declare all things are going to work out for the good of those who are called according to their plan and purpose. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you know the plans that you have for them, says the Lord. Plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Plans to give them a hope and a future. In the name of Jesus, I declare that demons tremble, that darkness flees at just the mention of your name. So in the name of Jesus, we are believing every darkness, every Every sin, every struggle, every concern, every worry, every fear, every anxiety to bow at the name of our Lord of Lords and our King of Kings. In the name of Jesus, we lift up a shout. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Guys, I really honestly believe that something was broken off today. I believe that God freed you, but I want to encourage you because the enemy is going to try to to make you think that when you go home, that everything's going to go back to normal or that nothing really changed and happened. Can I tell you something did change and happen? But what you have to do, and this is key, is every morning, every evening, every night, you have to die to yourself and pick up your cross, meaning you lay that prayer and that petition again before the foot of the cross. You lay that problem again before the foot of the cross. Anytime you feel it coming back, lay it at the foot of the cross and let God's peace cover you. Amen. Amen. I love you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak. God bless you. Amen, right? Were y'all blessed? Well, partaking of... As we partake of communion and after that message, just challenges me. Hope it challenges y'all. Just to think about those those little things that that keep us in that next step. But also reminds us of the little things here that lets us know it's been taken care of. So as we partake together, I challenge you this week. Just go out. Give them that five minutes. Let that fear go. Let that anxiety go. And take the next step. Let's partake. Well, church, it's great seeing y'all. We love y'all. Pastors will be back on Wednesday. Make sure you make plans to be an encounter. We want to see you here. We want to see you here early. And we want to see you here the whole night. Okay? See you then.